Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a Filipino-American content creator, brand consultant, racial injustice advocate based in Los Angeles. Welcome, Jordan Santos. Hi, Noor. How are you? I'm good. I'm so, so, so excited to have you on this week. Yeah, and I'm so nervous, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Don't be nervous. I was just telling Jordan before we started recording how like articulate I think she is, which is so interesting because I feel like as women in general, we're always so critical of ourselves. That's so true. Like we're always like, oh, like I'm this, I'm to this, I'm to that. And I'm like, I literally have never thought that about you in my life. I know. I don't know. I think I I just like do so well behind um, my phone and an email because that's where I live and breathe and function. So when I I have like these long, long form conversations that are recorded, I tend to tend to freak out. But no, I'm glad to be here. It's one of those things that I think that like the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's like anything, right? So like when I first started doing this, I definitely... I don't know. I like there was just certain times I would panic a little bit like, Oh my God, do, should I say something? Should I not say something? Like it, it just you get so in your head. But like the more you do it, like emailing, I feel like emailing is such a skill that you like develop. And I think back to how I used to send emails even a few years ago. And I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> um, but I want to talk a little bit about what you do, because I feel you're like, you're kind of like a jack of all trades, like you do everything. Like what doesn't Jordan do? I don't do podcasts. (laughs) That's what I don't, I don't usually do. But um, yeah, I guess I guess I dabble in a couple in a couple things. Yeah, you definitely you're an amazing. How do you feel about the word influencer? I don't like I don't love it. But I also don't have a an alternative for myself. Like I never had a blog. So I'm not a fashion blogger. Um, I feel indifferent to it. Like I feel like I I understand kind of why people feel like it's like there's negative connotation attached to it. But at the same time, it's like, what else do you call it kind of, but you're, you're basically an incredible influencer content creator. Like you shoot beautiful imagery. Um, and you also, um, work with brands where you like kind of I feel like manage their social media basically. So you're on both ends of like the social media, um, world. Yeah, exactly. So I went to school like for PR. um, Mm -hmm. And I studied public relations. And I always thought I, I was going to go into fashion PR. And then when I graduated, like social media really blew up. And um, I was actually working for a startup that created campaigns for like budding social media influencers. And I would be the one to create these campaigns. So if you know this brand was paying ten thousand dollars and we wanted to work with ten influencers, that would be me like putting that together. Um, so the, yeah, my start is actually in influencer marketing, and from there I started helping brands and businesses with their social media. So I got into social media management on the brands and businesses side, and then also celebrities, and um, yeah, and, I, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And I feel like you're definitely like a, I don't know, I feel like you are one of the content creators that I always feel like is doing just 
not to be redundant, calling you a content creator and then also say that you're very creative because I feel like, <laughs> but like you are very creative with your content creation. And like, you're someone that I always look to like, oh, wow, like I love the way Jordan shot this or posted this or even like, I feel like you don't edit very heavily. I feel like it's always like very slight right. editing, but right. I love the imagery that you create. Have you always been like into photography and just kind of um, shooting content? It's so funny because I don't really see myself as a content creator at all. And I know I am because I do <laughs> produce content that I post on my Instagram almost every day. But it's it's funny, like uh, a blogger reached out to me and was like, hey, can you shoot this for me? I'm like, oh, I can recommend photographers for you. And she was like, no, I want to work with you. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really a photographer like that. She's like, I think you are. Um, (laughs) So it's like, it's weird because I never, I never really went into it super seriously. Like I am afraid of a camera. I hate being shot with a camera. I hate shooting with a camera unless it's like an easy film camera. Um, So I've never... I've always like shot things on iPhone and I've always like had myself shot on iPhone and yeah. So I, I've never had like any photography background or anything like that besides taking my space photos with my friends and um, <laughs> Facebook albums, like trashy Facebook albums in college. My space is a great place to start. Honestly, yeah. just really, you know, really learning how to, what angles work for you and what angles don't that high, no, truly. super angle, like that crazy. I'm so glad that that died. Cause it was not flattering for me that, that super high shot where you're like taking the photo from like a foot over your head. Like, I don't know how that ever became a thing. It's like a down shirt. It's like a down shirt shot too. So yeah. it, it was a very, very, very weird time. And then but. my eyes just look very golemy in all of the photos because you're like looking up. I don't know. It's just yeah. it was it was a bad look. But yeah, no, it's so interesting that you don't consider yourself to be like a creator or a photographer because I'm when I think of you, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, Jordan takes some of the most beautiful images I see. Like I'm always bookmarking your photos because I think that they're so stunning. Oh, like I, love I literally. That. Yeah, like I'm just like, oh, this is like, and it, I also just feel like they make me feel something. I know that that like, it just sometimes you see a photo and you're just kind of like, oh, pretty. And I'm like, I feel something when I look at this photo. I'm so glad because I feel like I have no personality. Like if you look at my feed, <laughs> like I have zero personality. And it's like all like one color vibe and tone and shade. Um, so you know what, that makes me feel really good. I'm glad. And yeah, like, I think that I, I think again, comes back to like, we are so critical of ourselves. And it's so easy for us to find things that, you know, you're like, Oh, this could be better. This could look like this. Or maybe this is kind of like boring. But you know, whenever it's someone else is kind of looking at it through their own lens, I guess, yeah. like it just it comes off as come something completely different. And yeah, like that's I mean, trust me, whenever I post any Instagram stories, I'm like, I'm the most annoying person. And then people are like, Oh, my God, like, I love you. And I'm like, really? Because I'm <laughs> very annoying. Um, but also something that I really respect you for is how kind of how you've always really just posted about what's going on in the world. Like this isn't something that you just started doing within the last few weeks. There's nothing wrong if you, you know, if you are someone who just recently started kind of posting about what's going on in the world, but you've consistently spoken about um, social injustice. And um, another thing that you've spoken a lot about is drunk driving. Mm -hmm. And you actually, are you the founder of Babes Against Drunk Driving? 
So it's it's not like an official organization. Okay. Actually, like whatever funds or awareness I I raise, I donate it to Mothers Against Drunk Driving. But yeah. I actually like because I am a victim of a drunk driving crash. Like growing up, I guess I'll rewind a bit, but in 2012, I was in a really bad drunk driving crash and I got into a car with my roommate who was supposed to be my DD with two other friends. Um, He crashed the car. It resulted in my neck breaking in two places and yeah, I could have been paralyzed or killed and honestly, it's a miracle that I'm here. Um, But yeah, I was put in a neck brace for four months and had to take a semester off school and from there, like I had shared what happened on Facebook to 400, you know, 400, 300 yeah. of my followers or friends, I guess, because it's Facebook. But <laughs> I just, I went to a really small school and there were a lot of questions and rumors about it. So, you know, I kind of wanted to just set the record straight and share what happened to me. And I ended up getting so many messages from friends, people I didn't know, have never met, um, about them reading my story. And, you know, a lot of it was that they were swearing to me that they would never drink and drive again. And it was because of the story that they heard. And so I realized then that, you know, wait, what was the original question? Fuck. No, I'm like, no, you're fine. I'm like, keep going. I'm like, I'm literally, this is so interesting to me because um, I actually was oh, a mother's against drunk driving. Okay, go yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I I think that this is so, like I I I knew that you had been in an accident involving a drunk driver, but I didn't know this like whole kind of backstory. And mm-hmm. um, I was actually a counselor for um the survivors of DUI manslaughter. So the families wow. of yeah, and and statistically, like I mean, drunk drivers are killing people quite a yeah. bit, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's happening so often. And I think it's something that everyone kind of knows, like, oh, don't drink and drive. But I think right. when you hear these stories and this, these experiences, it does resonate with people in a different way. Because I know for me, before I was working in that division, I knew it was happening, but I didn't realize the volume in which it was happening. Because it just, I think, so common, which is unfortunate that like, totally. it's not it's not something that's going to make the news. You know what, what I mean? It's right, not something right, that right, people right. are going to make a big deal about. So I think it's so, I, I like really think that this is such an important story. And like, that makes me love what you're doing even more, even though, you know, it's not technically an official organization. I still think it's really important because I think that there is something to be said about sharing a personal experience that humans really connect with. Yeah. And like you said, it, you know, drunk driving isn't something that people took seriously. Like you said, it's something that people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, drinking and driving yeah. is bad. But the only organization out there at the time that I knew of was Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And, you know, of course, my parents told me not to drink and drive. But yeah. And every parent tells their children not to drink and drive. But how often do we really listen to our parents? So yeah. I knew that, you know, if I got into a car with a drunk driver, like, so many people my age are doing the same thing, even though we were told not to. And I felt like there needed to be some sort of group or organization that really reflected, you know, the youth that were actually committing drunk driving crashes and, you know, being the victims of drunk driving crashes. And so I wanted something that would resonate 
you know, with people that I knew more so than, you know, mothers against drunk driving, which, which is not something maybe like someone in their twenties can relate to or want to listen to. Exactly. I think that, uh, mad is a great organization. It's just, again, yeah, like you said, it's not something. And it's so funny to me because I, I don't drink, but when I think back to being younger, I did get in cars with drunk drivers quite frequently and and I didn't, and, and I think that a part of me also maybe didn't understand how dangerous it was because I had never drank before. So I didn't mm-hmm. realize like mm-hmm. how intoxication affected people. So that there was also a little bit of naivety to that. I don't even, is naivety a word? I don't know. I think I just made up a word. I'm not sure, but <laughs> naiveness, mm-hmm. but I think that in general, young people don't, we don't think about long-term effects when we're younger. I feel like that part of our brain hasn't really fully developed yet. So it's something that I do think should be spoken about more because I think there's also kind of like people think it's like a funny thing. Like, Oh, I drive better when I'm drunk or thank God we made it home last night. I was so wasted. Like these are things I've heard grown adults say before. And it, you know, I mean, again, statistically, when someone drives drunk, they're more likely to kill someone than kill themselves. Like that's what ends up happening is that they hurt someone else. And then they have to live with this for the rest of their life, which, you know, is not great for anyone involved. Right, right. My first, I would say, like dabble into, you know, really caring about a cause. And, you know, I hate to admit this, but before that, I truly like really didn't care about much other than things that had affected me or that I was experiencing myself. Um, And I would say like, you know, since sharing my story about drunk driving and realizing that my story, you know, can just change one person's mind. That makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people experience that feeling of you don't really care too much about something until it directly affects you, unfortunately. Yeah. And, 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 you know, or, or it comes with age over time. Like you watch people around you experience something and that makes you more empathetic towards that cause or, or that experience because I don't think yeah. that we're selfish is the right word, but it's it's hard to relate to something that you've never experienced. It's hard for you to kind of understand it unless you take the time. Totally. And I guess that's like what just going back to, you know, you saying that I've always like spoken out on issues and you know, I get that a lot, honestly, and I'm happy that people think that, but I also like look back to you know, five to seven years ago before um, Instagram and just like before that crash happened. And I really was so unaware that was going on in the world. And it took something so traumatic for me to realize that, you know, fucked up shit was happening to people all the time, whether it's drunk driving, whether it's gun violence, whether it's racial injustice or police brutality. And I think what happened to me made me open my eyes to that terrible things are happening to people around the world or around our country. And I guess like I felt so like I wanted so many people to care about, you know, the dangers of drunk driving. And I realized then that there were so many other issues that people really wanted 
to like shed light on and people weren't, weren't a paying, weren't paying attention to because it wasn't directly affecting them. So I think that's, you know, kind of just like where, where it all started. Yeah. And that was actually something that I wanted to get into. So I'm glad that you brought it up because I do think that there's always kind of like a point for a lot of people when they realize that there are bad things happening constantly everywhere all the fucking time. And it's, it's a huge bummer. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I need to know what's going on. And what can I do to help? And I think that the easiest thing to do is always to just learn about it and speak about it. Like that's like the first thing I think learning about it. But there is also, I think a huge part of us that I know I've experienced this before where I, I kind of know that something is going on, but I just, I put off reading about it because I, I feel like it's, going to make me sad, which again, I not, it's not something I'm proud of, but it's something that I have experienced before where I'm like, okay, I know this is happening. I know I need to like learn about it, but it just feels like a lot for me right now. Is that something that you have experienced like, you know, throughout the years? Yeah. I mean, I think at this moment where, you know, everyone, everyone's at home, everyone's reading the news, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, it's been happening since 2013, but it's really like exploded and it's still going on now. And I think people are realizing a lot of the issues that they may not have realized before on top of other things coming out. And I think now people are really like awakening to the fact that there's so many causes that they can get behind. So I would say like recently, it's definitely been more of a touch point. But I would say like, before this year, before COVID, before this like huge resurgence with the Black Lives Matter movement, I didn't feel that way because I always focused on the causes that I cared about being drunk driving, racial injustice and gun violence, I would say like those were like the main things I always tried to pay attention to in the news um, and also share on social media. But, but now I would say it's, it's pretty difficult because now that everyone's talking about things that matter, which is amazing. Everyone expects everyone to talk about everything. Yes. Um, And I like, I didn't really have a word for it. I didn't know what I was feeling. Um, And I think like you probably get this a lot too, but I think when you start sharing things on social media that, you know, you're passionate about and that you care about and um, an injustice that you want to highlight, people then feel like they can tell you what to talk about or ask you to talk about this thing or that thing. And Well, I I understand it because I, you know, I did that too when I had my drunk driving crash and I wanted to spread awareness about it and I wanted people to go to my yearly walks to raise awareness and funds for it. Like I definitely did that too. But I think right now everyone is trying to, well, not everyone, unfortunately, but a lot of people are trying to do better. And I think it's okay to have you know, the two to three 
two to five, you know, whatever that may be, but having those main topics that you really are passionate about and go hard on because that's how you're going to be the most effective. And I just like listened or I just watched um, an episode on Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj and he talks about compassion fatigue and that episode, have you seen it? I watched it because you posted it on your Instagram stories. I'm telling you, Jordan, you are my resource (laughs) for everything. I'm like, oh, Jordan posted this. I'm going to watch it. And I I always thought that burnout and compassion fatigue, because I'd heard of compassion fatigue before. I thought they were the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're similar, but they're not the same thing. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, like, hearing him just, like, vocalize that, you know, Right now, especially with COVID, especially with Black Lives Matter, you know, just like so much stuff going on that is like so like right in front of us and just like filling the air. Like it's, you know, like these are just like things you cannot ignore. But with on top of that, of course, there are other really fucked up shit going on in the world. And, you know, you you want to pay attention to everything and you want to talk about everything and you want to spread awareness about everything, but it just, he compares it to like having your browser open and having 32 tabs open, which I often do. It's going to slow everything down. I I do it. I'm guilty of it. Anytime my computer is slow, I'm like, I should probably close like a few tabs, but I'm like, but I, I don't want to close this. And I just, maybe I'm going to look at this later. Like all tabs open. I've, my license has been expired for three months and I've had to renew it. Well, and I've had you're not tab. going anywhere. <laughs> I, I literally, I'm not going anywhere, but like I've had that tab open to renew it. And I'm just yeah. like, Oh, if I close it, I'm going to forget, but I haven't even opened it since I opened the tab in like March, which is hilarious. Right. And so he like, just, you know, compares it to that and says, it's okay to just like close a few tabs and focus on the couple that you have up. Yeah. And I don't know. I think like it was just like him saying that gave me permission to like, I don't want to say like set boundaries. Like I just like don't want people to think that because they're not talking about one thing means that, you know, their, their outrage to injustice is exclusive, you know, or selective. Um, But I also like listen to, this video, her name is also Noor, and she like shared a video about like setting boundaries. Yes, a lot of people have sent that Noor Tagori video to me recently. Yeah, and I really, I really liked what she said about, you know, when when people are telling you to talk about this, post this, talk about that. There, there does become a point where things do become performative and you're just trying to appease your audience or whoever is messaging you and it's not coming from a genuine place. And if it's not coming from a genuine place, it's going to be disappointing. And I think I saw that a lot. I don't know about you, but I saw it a lot with the Black Lives Matter movement, actually, like people demanding certain people to talk about it. Yeah. And then once like this person celebrity influencer talked about it they were saying like this isn't enough I'm like well you know as fucked up as it sounds like what made you think that person cared in the first place like I I'm not I know that's like sounds really harsh but I just think and I 
this is like told I'm like going off on a tangent, which I no, normally do off. when I Please talk. <laughs> but I think that's what I have the trouble with like the term influencer. It's like that person isn't an influencer. That person is a salesperson. And yeah. I listened to What a Day podcast by Akila Hughes, and she was actually the one that said that. Um, like if a public figure isn't using his or her platform to you know, talk about issues that matter, like, is that influence or are they trying to sell something? That's, I think, the problem of like looking up to influencers or celebrities that don't have a basis in social justice or, you know, like, or anything like that. Um, and I think it's it's good that, you know, people have like been forced to open their eyes. And I think you know, there are a lot of people who have, you know, gone into this in a genuine way and really do actually want to learn more. But I think it's apparent when it's genuine and when it's not. Um, it's, I, yeah. I, I find it extremely apparent, but I'm like, do other people see this? And, and then a part of me also feels like, even if this is performative, which I think a lot of people unfortunately are posting things mm-hmm. to come off a certain way it's still serving the cause to a certain degree so i'm like i'm not i'm annoyed at it but i'm not mad about it no, like i'm no, glad that you did it but i'm just also like i wish you did actually care but at the same time it's like you're still reaching people and i think some people will take this as a good thing and they will feel positively influenced by it. So I still am kind of of the belief that it's still beneficial. Totally. No. And I, I completely agree. And I don't want people, you know, listening to think like, Oh, Jordan doesn't think these, you know, reposts do anything. And I, it's not that I think it's more so the, the expectations around, like certain people speaking out on certain issues. And I think that's like kind of what needs to change. And I think, I I, I just think that people do need to realize that there is so much more going on in the world than brunch and bags, as much as I love bags and shoes. I do love a good bag. You have some really great shoes. And skincare. (laughs) You know, like, I think, I don't know about you, but I just grew up thinking that, and this sounds so shallow, but I grew up wanting to just, like, be cool and popular and fun and, like, easygoing. And I guess I didn't realize that you could be multifaceted. And I think that's what everyone needs to realize. Like we can be fun and we can like post nice things and you can go out to brunch with your friends. But if we all gave a shit about something, then we would all be learning from one another and it wouldn't have to fall on the shoulders of like just this person or that person or celebrities or influencers. Like it doesn't matter. Like when I had, when I was sharing my drunk driving experience on Facebook to 300, 400 friends. Like, you know, I wasn't an, I wasn't an influencer. I was just someone sharing my perspective, sharing resources to my friends and family. And I think that's almost, I think it's more influential than sharing it, something like that to strangers. 
Um, I agree. I really agree because my sister is not an influencer and she posts stuff and I feel like it begins a dialogue with her friends and it starts a conversation. And, And that does happen a lot of times with me, but I feel like with her, it just, it's more it's deeper. It's, it's less surface level. It's more of a, a real kind of, totally. well, my friend feels strongly about this. So like, I want to understand why my friend feels strongly exactly. about this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I was just like talking on the phone with my brother yesterday and he was like, have you watched this movie? And I talked to my cousin Lauren and she was like, Oh, I just watched this great documentary. And honestly, like I am going to turn on the TV and you know, pick those shows over ones I've seen like circulating on Instagram stories from someone I don't know. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's good to hold people accountable. Like, you know, everything we just talked about, I do think it's still important to hold people accountable and like have high standards for people, but I don't think it stops at social media. I think it, it also like you need to, people need to think about who their friends are. And who they're surrounding themselves with. Like, yeah. are your friends talking about Black Lives Matter? Are your friends being careful about COVID? You know, like, th- those because people that's the are most the ones. Influential. Exactly. Like, those people are the ones you're spending your, the most time with, you're talking to on the phone, you're hanging out with. Like, I think, like, I don't know who said this, but um, there's a quote that says, like, you make up five of the people you hang out the most with or something like that. Like you become, you become who you hang out with. My dad has said that to me my entire life, like constantly. And again, it's just one of those things that you're like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And then you get older and you're like, Oh wow. (laughs) You are so fucking right on about this. You are the people you surround yourself with. You pick up on their habits. If they make it seem like it's not a big deal to drink and drive, you will begin to think it's not a big deal to drink. Like it's, it really does you and that's why it's so important to speak up about things you feel strongly about and it because I think I think we also can you know be surrounded by people that maybe you know their thoughts don't align with yours but I think that you should be able to share your thoughts and then them maybe take a t- take some time to understand it and maybe that totally. will change their perspective as well. So it's not like, Oh, you know, if your friends aren't taking COVID seriously, just fucking drop them or totally. maybe start a conversation with them yeah. and you might be able to change their approach or their opinion. And maybe there's something about it that they don't fully understand and you can help them get to that point. I agree. And I think that's what it is. I think it's like having these like tough conversations and, not shying away from them and then seeing if your friends, you know, are pretty resistant to them and write you off. Like that's almost disrespectful. Like just like as a friendship, they're not willing to have a conversation with you. It doesn't, you know, it's not so much the, the topic at hand, but that they are trying to impose, you know, or they're trying to brush off what you're trying to articulate without ha- like taking the time and energy to hear what you're saying. I've definitely experienced that, especially in the past couple years. Like, you know, my mom's really conservative and I'm really liberal and we like butt heads, but I've seen like over the years how to talk to her and how she chooses to talk to me. And we've gotten to a point where we're not having like screaming matches at each other. And now like having conversations and she's like, well, did you see this? I'm like, but this, you know, and it's very civil and 
it's not perfect, but it's got into a manageable place where we're at least hearing one one another. And yeah, that's, that's a skill. I've recently gotten to that point where my mom, where we can have conversations that don't end in me screaming slash crying because I'm telling you the second I talked to my parents, I was telling my friend this the other day. I'm like, I feel like I regress. Like, I don't know what happens. I become a baby again. Right. You become like, I become like a bratty 14 year old. Yes. I'm like, what is going on? I feel like I have no control of my emotions. And so I've actually during quarantine been making a conscious effort because I am the golden child who actually obeys quarantine. And so my parents do let me come over. I do wear a mask though, but they let me come over. And so during that time, it's I've been working on talking to my parents about things that we might disagree on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a it's something that like literally I'm I'm so proud of myself for being able to talk to my mom now without like slap screaming or crying. I mean, like, I'm proud of you because it's hard. I get it. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah, and I think like with family too, it's like you kind of could have those screaming matches because they're where are they gonna go? Like yeah, she's yeah, your mother, yeah. you're yeah, her daughter, you like mom. <laughs> exactly. But I think it's so hard with friends, and I think that's why it's so easy for people to be like why isn't this celebrity saying something? Why isn't this influencer saying something? I'm like, but are your friends saying something? Like, are are you guys having this conversation? And I think people are afraid to have those types of conversations. And, and I get it. I've definitely, like, I had a really, really good friend. He is a white male, voted for Trump. And you know, we would like talk about everything from gun control to abortion and like, we had different views, but we always were able to like, kind of like show each other our perspectives and where we're coming from. And he's like, not all Republicans are like this. And I'm like, well, not all Democrats or liberals are like this. And we always like, were able to have like those types of conversations. We had a conversation surrounding Botham Jean, who was a black man killed in his apartment by a white female police officer. Um, and so like I had shared this, I don't, I don't remember when it, when this happened, I think it might've been like fall or winter of last year, maybe, but I had ended up sharing it on my stories and just like talking about how like outrageous it is. And he sent me a thing about for, about forgiveness. And I was just like, fine. I would- like throw my phone across the room. Yeah, I was I was enraged. I was definitely enraged and <laughs> I would break my phone. And I was just like, but you can't talk about forgiveness without talking about the injustice that happened. Like yeah. don't don't pick and choose what you're choosing to see and we had a long conversation. Well, it was mostly me talking to a wall, <laughs> but like, you know, trying to explain you know, racial injustice is especially with police brutality. And he was trying to tell me that he decides to see the bright side of things. And I said, that's white privilege. And he disagreed. And, and there was like a point where I was like, okay, I feel like you're talking at me and you're not, you're the one that came into my space to have this conversation. And now that I'm disagreeing with you, you don't want to have it. He's like, yeah. Oh, I, I was just sending that video. I wasn't trying to have a conversation. I'm like, well, of course you're not because now I'm telling you how I feel and yeah. you can't handle it. And you know, and I think that happens like, a lot. Yeah. And 
that's the thing. And I think people are scared to have those are scared to have those conversations. And I just want to say like, yes, those conversations happen, but there are also other conversations that you have with friends and you realize that they feel the same way you do. And they didn't know that they had anyone else to talk about it with. And now you both are signing petitions and writing letters and sharing resources. And those friendships will grow and you will find those people and they will thrive and you will be so much happier to have, you know, these friendships that really are open and like just better one another versus, yeah, you know, friendships that dismiss you. And I think, I don't really know how we got to this point of the conversation, but I think <laughs> it's just like so important to, to just like have, have these conversations. And like, like you said, it's not, it's not about dropping friends who just have opposing views without having a conversation. It's about trying to have those conversations. And if people are disrespectful, then you know where they stand with you yes. and with the values that you cherish. It's yeah, it's about, I think, understanding each other's position, um, you know, respecting that position, whether or not you agree with it. Mm -hmm. And then if you need to set boundaries and do because you said earlier, you know, um, for kind of avoiding compassion fatigue, setting emotional boundaries is actually one of the things that you can do to avoid experiencing compassion fatigue is by creating boundaries for yourself. And I know it for some reason, the word boundaries just always comes off as like kind of like harsh, but right. it's so necessary that in these situations, whether you know it's a friendship or you're an influencer online or you're just a person online, creating boundaries for yourself and knowing what your limitations are and knowing what you feel okay with and what's too much for you. And that's totally okay. Like I have been experiencing the thing where people are DMing me and saying, Oh, you should talk about this or you should talk about that. And it's not even where they're like asking me anymore. They're just sending me links and telling me, Hey, post this. And, and, and sometimes they do post it, but other times I, I'm not, in a headspace where I can, I feel like I want to start a whole conversation about it. And that is a boundary that I've created for myself. Because like you were saying, you can only mentally be able to handle so many different issues at once. And when you start just posting things just to post it, it does, it is a little performative. And, and it does kind of bring up, you know, the whole like, well, I guess it's still raising awareness. So that's good. But it's like, I don't want to post things just for the sake of like checking things off of a list. I want to understand, I want to be informed about it. So the, the DM that I got most recently, and, it, and I had to, you know, kind of have a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation with my follower, she basically asked me to post about someone who was sexually assaulted and um, to speak up about her, the, the, the person who, um, who assaulted her. And I, you know, told her, I was like, listen, as someone who I also advocated for victims of se- sexual assault for five years, if she's not speaking up about it, I don't know that I feel comfortable posting it about it because that can be re-traumatizing for her. That can be triggering for her, her friends, family, whatever it may be. I am not going to be the person to do that if she isn't giving the green light like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, and my follower was just kind of like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But like, you know, it's still important for us. And I'm like, yes, it's important for us to talk about these things, but also, at some point, it's like, especially when it's something so personal, that's 
the the survivor's choice to speak about it. And and I think that she just assumed like, oh, you talk about sexual assault, so you're going to post about this. Right. So here's a link, a post about it. And it's, and I, there is a part of it that's also like emotionally exhausting because I do feel like it is, it's a demand. You know what I mean? Like at this point, mm-hmm. it's it's turned into like these demands, like post about this, post about this, post about this to the point where like I was telling a friend the other day, I'm like, I just feel overwhelmed. Like I don't even want to post about anything because I feel like when I post about one thing, I'm getting 30 other DMs to post about 30 other things. And it just, I don't want to let anyone down. And also I really do try to respond to everyone's DMs. I don't want to leave someone on scene and then them be like, Oh, I sent this thing that's really close to my heart to Noor Mm -hmm. and she opened it and then didn't even post about it or respond. So it's like, you know, making sure that I have the emotional capacity to give people responses even if I can't post about it that in itself is also can be very taxing on me personally where I'm like sitting there spending an hour of my day responding to people and telling them you know I I I think this is an important cause but this isn't something that I feel like I can share at this point and it, it it does seem a little selfish and I sit there and think I'm like am I being selfish but I'm like no like I am gonna post about things in a way that feels that feels kind of truthful. I don't know. Like that feels no, like honest yeah. and real. And and it's like, I'm not just going to repost every single thing because then it just turns into something completely different, I think. And then I think it takes away from what I am posting about because people are like, hey, this bitch is just fucking posting about everything. Yeah. And I think, I just like think that we need to normalize telling people that we don't know enough about something. Like we're, you know, we consume the news and are then like sharing the tidbits that we find to be like important or interesting. And it's not to say like what people share with us isn't important. Like I do love that people go to me and see me in that way that they can entrust me with like an issue that they really care about and, you know, want me to speak out on it. But I I guess like, I I just like feel like if we're just like posting to post, we're doing it a disservice because we're not actually taking the time to really listen and learn and like find, like for me, it's like I could learn about something, but I then want like a call to action with it. So it's, it's really hard for me to just share something like as an FYI, even though it's good, but I really like want to find something that feels actionable actionable because yeah that what may that's what makes me feel like I'm actually helping the situation going back to like everyone has a platform everyone has a voice and I think this is why I say this so much say that people need to use their voice so much is because everyone has one and if everyone everyone has a passion or an issue that they care about and if everyone spoke out on it then there would be more awareness just naturally. And I think people need to also expand like who they're following, what they're consuming. If you're not getting something from someone, then you should expand, you know, who you're following and who, whose content you're consuming. Like for me, you know, I know climate change is real and I do want to be better about my impact on the environment, but I am 
not an expert in it. I don't talk about it a ton. I talk about it here and there, but I follow like amazing women who do talk about it a lot because that's where I'm getting my information. They're sharing it. And I don't know. I don't feel like I need to like repost everything they're saying because I know someone out there is also reading what they're saying, if that makes sense. No, that Um, definitely makes sense. Yeah. And I think like, you know, if, everyone only talked about drinking and driving, then other causes would be left out of the equation. But if someone talked about drinking and driving, someone talked about climate change, someone talked about sexual assault, someone talked about this, someone talked about that, like then all of us who are in that community are getting all of that information, which I think is really beautiful and much needed. So I agree. And like, I recently started listening to a podcast called Without a Country, and they basically cover the news from the far left and the far right. And it's something I'm definitely more so liberal than, you know, the far right, but listening to it and hearing about it, I think it's also important for us to hear different thoughts and different approaches different approaches to what's going on just to have a better understanding like a of how people are feeling and how people see things because I think a lot of times there is this like lack of knowledge which I think creates fear and that's something that I've experienced in my life firsthand like you know I'm a visibly Muslim woman I I can see it when people look at me, they're kind of a little, sometimes they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know what's okay. They're a little nervous. They're a little scared because they don't know enough about what being a Muslim is or covering or whatever. And so because it's something that I've seen, it's something that I have made an effort again, coming back to when you experience something, you are going to be more kind of empathetic, active, empathetic and active about learning about it. And so I have found it helpful for me to hear the news from both sides and kind of, you know, finding myself agreeing with things that I didn't think I would agree with or finding myself just and it's just it's, it's so important to diversify our information. And I think going back to what you're saying about, if everyone just talked about one thing, we would not we would not know all the things that we should know, which is why I think that it does make more sense to kind of have, you know, a few things that you feel strongly about. And that's not to say that you can never diversify that or change that or speak about Mm -hmm. something else. But it's like, learn all you can, and then have calls to action for those things. Because I also agree with you, I sometimes will come across horrible, atrocious things. But it's like, what's the call to action? What can we do to help? And if there is nothing I can do to help, it's almost like, okay, so why am I going to post about this? To be informed? That's great. But like, what can we actually do about it? Like, I want to be able to do something about it and then tell other people what they can do to help. Yeah. And I think like people need, need to like, remember that first step really is learning. And there are just so many great people out there who are putting in the work day to day and are on the ground and are true activists. And those are people that we can learn from. Like, it doesn't mean like we have to give up our whole lifestyle, you know, to, to get behind this cause. And I I think that's what kind of scares people about talking about an issue that they care about or speaking on something because they feel like they need to be an expert, but 
you know, it's, 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 that's not the case. No. And, and even for me, so like, I have always kind of spoken about what's going on in Palestine. I'm not an expert on it, you know, just mm-hmm. because I'm Palestinian doesn't immediately I'm not like innately like an expert right, on like the right. history. Like, you know what I mean? But I, I know what I what I know. And I try to share what I can. And you know, it, it's just like anything like we're, we're all just kind of doing our best to help or use our platforms in, in a way that is doing good. And, and, you know, there are some times where I'm like, you know, I just feel like I shouldn't be posting about my skincare routine. It feels wrong right now. And then there are other times that I'm like, maybe people, maybe it would be a nice little break to just watch me apply serums on my face. And I think that it's okay to feel both ways. Yeah. And that's the thing, like going back to being multifaceted, like, you know, we all have a multitude of interests. Like you can care about skincare and luxury fashion, but also care about what's happening in Palestine. And you can care about Black Lives Matter, like they're not mutually exclusive. And it doesn't ruin the brand. You know, like, I like, and I'm not just talking about the brand of like an influencer's brand, but like a person's brand and who they are, like, yeah, you know, we need to realize that we can care about so many different things. And I just don't think, at least for me, I just like didn't it didn't occur to me that I could be both things, you know, for a really long time. So, I mean, I feel exactly the same. Like I, I would very, I would speak about things when, when it was, when shit was really fucking bad, basically. But like, mm-hmm. I, but it's, it's always bad, but it's like when it's like terrible, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll say something. But I was a little hesitant to post about certain things because it wasn't even so like, much about like I'm worried about like my personal brand I just brand I just didn't want to insult people I guess because I think that like most things in the news that are happening they're always a little controversial unfortunately mm-hmm. so it's kind of like I don't want people to think that if I'm again post because I talk about Palestine a lot because it's you know something that's close to me I don't want people to think that because I'm talking about Palestine that I'm anti-semitic so mm-hmm. that's why like it, it's it's like always just kind of trying to figure out a way and and I it got to the point where it's like listen I just have to talk about things that are important to me and if people people will always form opinions whether or not, no matter how hard you try to to stop them people are going to have opinions that are not true and make assumptions about you and you just kind of have to get to the point and everyone you know has to do it at their own pace where you just kind of let go of that and you're like I'm going to share what is important to me people might disagree with me they might think I'm wrong they might think I'm this they might think I'm that but I just need to speak about things that are important to me yeah no I I fully agree with that and I And I think I wish, you know, more people had that mindset that, you know, you're not going to please everyone. And I I know that's, I have a different, I have a different approach to it just because I never went into social media with like becoming an influencer in mind. Like I always was on the other, other side of things, like I said, and the following just kind of happened. So I was never really afraid, I guess, of like... I wasn't that afraid of hurting people's feelings or losing followers in that way because I just like never expected to have any followers besides my friends in the first place. Yeah. But which, which like, that's the thing. Yeah. I can definitely understand that. And like, even 
even knowing that a majority of my audience probably won't think that I just, I guess the thing for me that I, I, it's like, I definitely know it's a pressure that I put on myself, but I do kind of feel this like pressure where it's like, I am representing a visibly Muslim woman and I want to make sure people don't believe these stereotypical things they may have learned. So even if I think there is a, uh, someone could possibly interpret it as X, Y, and Z. Like, I want to think about that because I'm like, this might be the only time they've heard a Muslim woman speak about this. So I'm like, I want to make sure that it comes out right. But, and it's something that I do still go pressure. It's something that I still go back and forth with. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say what I need to say. And then other times I'm like, Norm, maybe you want to be more articulate about this. Yeah, (laughs) Maybe maybe you want to think a little bit more about this. And it didn't even occur to me like that you would have like that specific pressure of, you know, representing Muslim women. Like I can't, I can't even imagine what like on, you know, just like on top of like, talking about somewhat controversial things, but having that on top of it. Yeah. I could could see how difficult that could be. But I think it's getting easier because of social media. And that's why like a lot of times when people are like social media is this, it's that, it's blah, blah, blah. I think there's still so much good that comes from social media because you're able to connect with all these different people from different backgrounds and different cultures and religions and, and political views. And it's a way to humanize these things and these people and and learn so much that you would have never maybe learned before. And, and, you know, for someone who lives in a small town in the South, maybe they've never seen, I've had so many people tell me I've never met a Muslim person before and they're not being rude about it, but it's because they, I live in the South. So it's more common out here. Like, and that's why when people stare at me, I'm never going to assume they're staring at me because they hate me. I think that a lot of times they've just never seen a Muslim woman in the wild. Do you know what I mean? They're like, wow. he is like this is so crazy but like they're and it's not even like you know I don't think they're trying to be rude about it I think that I would probably feel the same way too like I I remember seeing a monk at Starbucks and I caught myself staring at him because I'm like holy fuck I've never seen a monk in right just walking around especially in a Starbucks like this is so cool like I, I you know what I mean so I think that there is a pressure, but I think that that pressure has been alleviated over the years. And it is because of social media and people just being so exposed to different cultures. And, and so for you as a Filipino American, do you ever kind of feel a pressure to speak about any, you know what I mean? Do you feel any type of pressure because of your background? I'm trying to think if like there I've had like similar similar pressures like I would say no but yeah I think I just like growing up Filipino and just like being Asian in general like I think I enjoyed and benefited from the whole like model minority trope without realizing it I don't I I wasn't really in touch with like being Filipino until probably like, I don't know, a few years ago, like, and I know that's like crazy to say, but I no, just like, I grew, I grew up consuming like white centered media and obsessing over like white heartthrobs, like Freddie Prince Jr. And <laughs> JC from NSYNC and, you know, wishing I was white and popular, like 
Brooke Davis and Summer Roberts. And Ugh, I love Summer Roberts. I know, same. <laughs> and I still love Brooke Davis because she is actually like an activist in real Sophia life. Sophia Bush is so fucking cool. Like she, she is so cool. Yeah, like I am glad I I really like looked up to her because it ended up, you know, she ended up being like amazing. But yeah, I just I grew up hanging out with mostly white friends, went to a mostly white college, dated mostly white guys. And, you know, I just like really, without realizing it, I really wanted to be white. And I think being surrounded by whiteness made me feel like I was maybe like closer to it. Yeah. And with that, I don't know, I think just like from being Asian, this model minority, I felt that it's like more palatable than, you know, other minorities for, you know, white people to like hang out with or hire or have on their influencer campaign or invite to their events. Like, you know, I was a woman of color still, but for some reason, I feel like it it was something that was easier for white people to be around. I don't know if that's yeah. like even a thing, but I don't know that realization just like doesn't make me feel good because I do think back on like the environments and the groups I, I was in. And I really was like a lot of the times I was the only person of color in those groups. Yeah. If that makes sense. And when you stop and realize it, it is kind of, there's a part of me at least that feels like almost alarmed that I didn't even realize it or think about it at the time. Like it was, it's just, it was so normal to me that I never really stopped to think about it. And then when you stop to think about it, you're like, wait, that's kind of fucked up that like, I was, I was the only minor, like it was literally only me. Like what the fuck? And then, but what you were saying about kind of not feeling connected to your culture because you were so consumed by white culture is something that really resonates with me because I feel like I didn't fully start embracing my culture until a few years ago as well. And I, I almost feel silly for not being more interested in it before. And it's because it wasn't, it wasn't the cool thing. You know what I mean? Being white was the cool thing to be because again, Summer Roberts, all these people that you grew up with, like those were the cool girls. Those were the popular girls. Those were the girls that everyone wanted to dress like and be like and talk like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being Arab wasn't, wasn't very edgy. So I was (laughs) like, you know, that wasn't my main focus. And then as I grow up, I realized that my culture is so much more meaningful to me. And it, it, it clicked in a way that I feel like white culture never did. And it's not to say that, you know, I hate white culture. No, I think white culture is fun. Like I love brunch. I, (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time, like when I dove deeper into Arabic music, Arabic movies, Arabic food, I was like, this is, this speaks to me. This feels like me. Like I see myself in these people and why did I never look to this before? And it's because it wasn't popular. It wasn't trendy. Yeah. And like you, like you said, like for me, it was only seeing until seeing media representation and to all the boys I've loved before on Netflix, and crazy. <gasps> yeah. Occasions. Like they both came out in the same month and that's when it like really really, really hit me. I was obsessed with To All the Boys I Loved Before. And it's like a cheesy Netflix film. I'm like, why do I love it so so much? Like, why am I watching it 10 times? And when I was watching Crazy Rich Asians in theaters, 
I was like, I started crying as the credits rolled and I had no idea why. And like, after like coming back from the movie theater and kind of like sitting down and just like feeling everything, I realized that I was so moved by both of them because I, I just like needed to see that I needed, even though they're not even Filipino, like I, I just needed to see myself in some way like represented on screen. And I, and I didn't know that I was missing it because it didn't occur to me that it was lacking to begin with. Like literally as you're saying this, I am like nodding my head vigorously. Cause I'm like, yeah, like even for me, I am not, I mean, technically, I guess I am Asian, but I'm not from South Asia or I'm not from, you know, but I still, it still resonated with me. I cried watching Crazy Rich Asians so many times. It's still one of those movies. I'm so glad it's on HBO because it's like one of those comfort movies that I can just like put on and I can feel good. And, and I, I do kind of, uh, I think. Um, identify with a lot of that culture because I lived in Malaysia for four and a half years oh, when wow. I was younger. And so I really, really like watching that movie. Like I'd been to Singapore before and I was like, oh my God, like this is so cool. Like I felt represented and I'm not even from there, but I felt represented because right. that related more to my experience and just seeing the way they interact with their parents. That to me, I'm like, that is my life. And it's so <laughs> interesting that even for me, like I felt like represented in Crazy Rich Asians because I was like, this is closer to my culture than anything else that I've ever seen. And it is something that was, that I was lacking and I did connect with it in such an intense way, even though I guess it's just like a romantic comedy, but it was important to me. I, I felt really good watching it because I felt seen. And, and I think that's another reason why for me, it's so important that I do speak on social media because whether or not I realized it immediately, I was kind of, providing representation for girls who had never seen themselves in media at all. That's, that's such a good point. Actually, like, I remember when I was like, kind of first started on Instagram and posting more frequently, and I, I would get messages from Filipino girls. And, you know, they would DM me asking me if I'm Filipino. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. like, Oh, my God, that's amazing. And, and it, it's so funny, because I feel like I didn't even realize yeah, like people needed that representation, like you just mentioned. But I was also craving that in the media I was consuming at the same time. It's it's really interesting how that works. Um, but Do yeah, you speak Tagalog? No, I'm like a really really bad Filipino. <laughs> it's okay. I'm a really I'm a really bad Arab. That's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. I mean, I can speak Arabic, but other than that, like I am like the fakest fucking Arab you'll ever be in your life. Like I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying now. As I'm an adult, I'm like I actively am trying to be more Arab because it's fun. Uh, yeah. But no, yeah, I, I don't belly dance or, or any of those things. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just like even now, I never. I had a Filipino friend growing up in like the third grade, but after that, I, I didn't have any Filipino friends. I hardly had any Asian friends. I had one Asian friend, but like now I just, I have diverse friends. I have Filipino friends and I've like realized like I'm, I talk so openly about a lot of the things like we just talked about on this podcast, but just things that I didn't even realize like were so important for me to talk about. And I've honestly just never felt 
more myself than I have in the past few years because of that. And I realize, like, looking back at the friendships I've had, and, you know, I still love those friends, but I, I didn't feel the need or I didn't feel like it was a place where I can talk about, you know, being Asian or a minority in, like, you know, in our friend group or in America or unseen in yeah. the media. Like, that. Those those topics just, like, weren't free-flowing and they never came up. But now, I think also now, like, we're much more open as a society. But yes, I just find myself having these conversations with my friends you know, as if we were talking about the weather. And I think that's so it's, it's great, because I, I do hate small talk, like, clearly, <laughs> you and I just like, kind of like went in, we no, just we literally, no there was no fucking <laughs> literally, we just jumped. I hate small talk. I can't do it. Like, I actually yeah. avoid it actively. And that's why I'm like, there's no small talk portion, I'm going to introduce you. And then we're just going to start fucking getting into the juice. Like, yeah. we're just gonna skip through that. Because I don't know. I feel like small talk is is performative, and I'm like, fuck that. We don't. We're not doing that. And and as you're saying that, like, you know, in your adult life, you've you've made more friends who are Filipino or Asian, and it's just easier. I didn't realize that until I got older. And it there is something so it's like a relief when you can just call your friend and talk to them about something, and they understand it, and you don't have to explain it to them, and you can just say it and not feel like, okay, well now I have to, and, and there's nothing wrong with explaining things. I think it's great to explain things to people and help them understand culture, but sometimes it's just really, really nice and comforting. And it kind of feels a little bit like home to talk to your yeah. friend and tell them this just happened to me. And then being like, yeah, I hate when that happens or, oh my God, I, that happened to me like a few days ago or, um, you know, just similar experiences, especially like with interactions with parents, I feel like, you know, growing up and having a lot of friends who were white, they literally like, not that I'm not saying white people don't respect their parents, but the way that I respect my parents, I think is considered strange. Um, And I wouldn't do certain things out of respect for my parents. And it, I didn't consider it a burden. I just kind of felt like my parents raised me and have done everything for me throughout their entire life. This is the least I can do. That was kind of how I thought about it. So I didn't really, they're like, Oh, that must be so hard. I'm like, it's actually, it's, it's fine. And like, I feel like a lot of times they're looking at me like you're fucking brainwashed, but I'm like, no, like I like respecting my parents. It's nice. It makes them feel good. Like, I don't know. And just not having to explain that to people in my adult life has been very comforting. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. Like, I just like, you know, growing up, I remember like, I wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend. So like, my high school boyfriend was white and he was like, why can't I come over? I'm like, I'm not allowed to have a boyfriend, but like yeah. I was at his house and I was able to like be in his room. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. it was so yeah. different it's crazy. Yeah. and it was, but it was hard at the time, you know, as a 16 year old life, it, my life was sure. so hard because my boyfriend couldn't come over, but it really was like kind of like a cultural difference. He was like, I don't understand why we can't like hold hands everywhere and you know I can't come over and meet your family and like just like the way it is you know it's like I'm vigorously again shaking my head because I'm like this these are all things that have happened to me yeah I'm like you have to be my secret um (laughs) and then they feel bad about it and then you feel bad for making them feel bad it's like I'm not ashamed of you my parents would just be very upset and I don't want to have to deal with that um, but yeah, no, it's, and it's something that like over time, again, like coming back to 
learning how to communicate with your parents. There are so many things I was scared of telling my parents when I was younger that now I'm realizing a lot of it wasn't warranted. Like they're not as scary as I thought they were. They just did a good job of like making me think that they were scarier than they were, but they're actually not as fucking scary as they pretend to be. Mm -hmm. And like learning to have these, these conversations about things with your parents is something that I have appreciated as I got older thinking, you know, like I cursed in front of my mom for the first time ever, like two weeks ago. (laughs) Like, I'm not even joking. It, I, it was the first time I've ever, and, That's and so it was crazy fine. Because you curse so much on the podcast. So much. I curse like, so much she, all the time. Like, does she not listen to the podcast? No, my mom definitely doesn't listen to my podcast. She also adamantly <laughs> will not come on. She's very against social media. She's very much so that mom who's like, people are stealing your information and like, blah, blah, blah. Don't post anything on the internet. Don't post anything about, totally. don't post your, anything in your apartment. People are going to find you and get you. And I'm like, okay, mom. That's my dad. Now I know. That's my dad. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, don't, yeah. He's like, you know, you you shouldn't have TikTok. I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't have TikTok. Like, it's deleted. But I'm like, yeah, dad, don't worry. I don't have TikTok. And then, yep. but my mom loves it. She's like, oh my God, you did a campaign for what? Send me the photos. Yeah. I want to post it on Facebook. I'm like, you That's literally so never. No, but I'm like, mom, like, you do not tell me you're proud. She's better at it now because I, I had to like, be like, look. You say you're proud of me on Facebook, but you have never told me you're proud of me in real life. Um, so that well, was like a yeah. conversation that we had, but she's better That's about it now. That's also a conversation I've had with my mom recently. Like, I know you love me. I know you're proud of me, but sometimes you need to give me a little bit of verbal positive reinforcement because totally. I don't know that you feel that way. But again, it just comes back to a different culture. And for them, my mom was like, my dad never told me I was doing a good job. And yeah, it was fine. And I was like cool, you lived in a village in Palestine, not the same fucking thing, mom. <laughs> like, I'm surrounded by people whose parents are applauding them for literally yes. fucking doing anything, yes. literally anything. And I'm like, I'm out here trying so hard. And you're just like, oh, that's, that's good, I suppose could have been could have been I, this, though. You could have could have done this. <laughs> oh, God, same. My mom's like, A minus. Why isn't yeah. it an A? I'm like, what? <laughs> like it's calculus yeah um no but I think that goes back to like just a lack of media representation I think just seeing on tv like these like happy families that like tell each other everything like Gilmore Girls you know like I love Gilmore Girls but like I love Gilmore Girls same (laughs) but you know like you you kind of like yearn that that kind of relationship with your mom and then you I mean, I grew up with a lot of white friends and they had very close relationships with their parents. And I'm like, yeah, my, my parents don't know I have a full boyfriend, you know, like I don't, they're like things like they have no idea about me, but, um, I mean, like, like you said, as you grow older, you're kind of like, well, this is me, mom and dad. So, so, and they're okay with it. And and it's just like, why was I so scared to show them who I was (laughs) before? But again, it's, it's a lack of representation. So it's like a lack of knowledge and information. And and it's also new because I'm a first generation American. So it's just a lot of not feeling like your parents don't understand you, but then like you realize, no, if you just take the time to talk to them about it, they actually can comprehend it. I mean, they're not fucking idiots. So like, no, yeah, they can get it. And there are certain things I will say my parents are like, that's just stupid. Like, like my parents don't understand the concept of eating at restaurants. Like they literally are like, you, why are you doing this? Like, why is this a thing that you like when you could just like cook at home? Like home food is the <laughs> best food. And I'm not going to lie, Jordan, 
a week ago, I called my friend and I was like, yeah, I just can't order burgers anymore now that I know how well I can make them at home. And she was like, who the fuck are you? And it's just like, That's amazing. I guess once I started cooking more during quarantine, I'm like, why am I ordering pasta for $25 when I can make a whole pot of pasta that's going to last me for a few days for like $10? Like, I'm it's like, so oh my true. God, I'm turning into my mom. I'm literally turning into my mom. <laughs> no, it's so true. I feel like just... Being in lockdown, it, it shows, it showed me anyway, like how much of what I was doing was so unnecessary. Like I love going yeah. out to eat, but it's like, was three times a week necessary? You know, like I totally yes. get it for like a date night or a birthday or like, I don't know, but I was just doing it because I, I, I had time to go like with a friend to a restaurant, like when we could have easily like gone home hung out on the couch. Like there are just certain things that, yeah, that I realized, like I was going to like how many events per week? Like why? What? That's what I'm saying. It's, it's really put a lot of things into perspective for me and not to be like, Oh, it's great. Cause I understand that it is affecting a lot of people very negatively. And that's yeah. something very real. And I feel very lucky every day that it's not affecting me in that way. But I, it, it, I think that, when we are able to kind of go out and about again, I, my approach to how I live my life is not the same as it was in the beginning of March. It's just not like, I just realized I was doing too much. And I was like, why was I doing that to myself? What, like, why was I putting this pressure on myself when I can just be as content not going to restaurants all the time and not going shopping all the time and not doing this all the time and not do it's, it has definitely made me reevaluate the way I spend my time. Yeah, I agree. Same here. Um, I I could talk to you forever, Jordan. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a lovely conversation to have. Like, truly, like I'm smiling while we're having this conversation, and I'm so glad that you did this and you came on. And um, I'm really excited for my audience to hear you and and hopefully kind of learn a little bit more about. Um, you know what you do. And I think that you're a really cool person. And I think that people should definitely know who you are. But where can people follow you online and and plug all the things? Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to plug. I'm on Instagram. (laughs) So you could follow me at Jordan Reese on Instagram. I love Twitter more than I love Instagram. And (gasps) I feel like I follow you on Twitter. Wait, you're on Twitter? Yes, I'm on Twitter. I'm about I'm following you right now. <laughs> I feel like no one has Twitter, but honestly, Twitter, I feel like Twitter is like where my true self lies. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty myself on Instagram, but on Twitter, I really, that's like kind of where like my more unfiltered thoughts are welcome. So follow me on Twitter at Jordan Reese as well. <laughs> I think that's all I have. I mean, I have like Pinterest and Tumblr, but I'm not like super frequent on them. And I feel like that's a weird thing to, to plug. I think that's it. I I mean, honestly, I'm just excited that you're on Twitter because Twitter is something that I scroll through, I think now more than even Instagram. So I'm definitely gonna and also I'm gonna have everything linked below in the description bar. Um, Thank you again, Jordan, for coming on. I really, really like I've had a great time. Um, And as always, you guys, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you will see a lovely picture of Jordan. Um, And you can follow me on Instagram at Nor E and I I will talk to you guys next Sunday.